Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to do the third broadcast of the Days of Noah episodes. Today's title is, As It Was, It Shall Be. So let's get to it. Chapter 3, As It Was, It Shall Be, from the broadcast of Martin DeHaan on the Days of Noah. Jesus Christ is coming again. This is the surest thing in the world, even surer than death. For when he comes, there will be some who will never die. How we would like to know the exact time of his coming again. That is a question which has intrigued and interested believers ever since his second coming was announced. As a result of this desire to know when Jesus would come again, all sorts of foolish, unscriptural guesses have been made and dates have been set, all of which were dishonoring to God and a reproach upon the cause of Christ. People have twisted the Bible, misinterpreted prophecy, perverted the plain teaching of Scripture by setting dates only to be proven false. The Bible definitely warns us against setting dates, and Jesus himself says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only, Matthew twenty four thirty six. Because of this statement of Jesus and the foolish attempts of many to set dates in utter disregard of this warning, most people have lost all interest in the return of Christ, ignoring the fact that while we cannot set the exact time of Christ's return, we may know nevertheless the approximate time of his coming again. The Bible is replete with warnings to watch for the signs of the times, indications of the nearness of his return. Paul tells us definitely in 1 Thessalonians 5, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-3 This, of course, applies to unbelievers. The coming of Christ will come as a surprise to the world, like a thief in the night. However, this is not true of believers. For Paul continues in verse 4 with these significant words. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4-6 through The teaching is clear. While we cannot know the day nor the hour, we are to look for the signs of the approximate time of his return. When certain signs appear, then we are admonished to know that that day is near. We believe that we are living in the closing days of the dispensation and that the next climatic event is the return of Christ in the air for his church. We must take heed to our Lord's words when he said, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Luke 21, 28. It is not wrong to be deeply interested in the time of our Lord's return. It is wrong to set the exact date, but it is equally wrong not to heed the indications of the nearness of his return. In Matthew 24, the disciples expressed their deep concern over the time of our Lord's return. As they were with him on the Mount of Olives, he had told them of his death and resurrection, and then assured them of his coming back again to fulfill all prophecy. This prompted their question, Tell us, when and what? Matthew 24, 3. When are you coming back? And by what may we know that it is near? 
Jesus did not rebuke them for their interest in the time of his coming again, but instead answers them in a lengthy discourse on the many signs and indications of that climatic event. In the midst of this recitation of signs of his coming, he stops to warn them not to set dates or the exact time. He says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Matthew 24, 36. Now notice the next verse. After warning them not to attempt to determine dates, days, and hours, he reminds them that this does not mean that we cannot be aware of the approximate time of his return. There will be definite signs that his coming is near, even if the exact time cannot be known. So Jesus issues a warning not to make their inability to know the exact time an excuse for ignoring the signs of his imminent return. Don't let the fact that the exact day is secret make you lose interest in the time and seasons of my coming and at the end of the age. Don't let the fact that the day is secret make you lose interest in the time and seasons of my coming and at the end of the age. This you may certainly know, says Jesus, and so he continues with another significant use of the word, but. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew 24, 37 through 39. Study the record of the days of Noah before the flood, says Jesus, if you want an answer to your question, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of my coming? When the conditions before the flood are repeated, then you may know that it is near, yea, at the very doors. Among the many conditions described in the three chapters to which Jesus referred exclusively, we find one chapter, Genesis 4. Devoted to the social and economic conditions which prevailed before the flood, one chapter, Genesis 5, gives us the dispensational picture of the antediluvian days. And one chapter, Genesis 6, describes in detail the moral conditions of the world in the days of Noah, which became the occasion for the flood. The social and economic condition is described in Genesis 4, and we find eight specific things mentioned. It was an age of religious apostasy, travel, city building, polygamy, and sexuality, great agricultural advances, music, metallurgy, violence, and crime. These conditions characterized the days of Noah. In our former message, we began the discussion of the religious apostasy of those early antediluvian days. The fourth chapter of Genesis begins with a description of the conflict between the first modernist, Cain, and the first fundamentalist, Abel. We quote the brief record. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. We must remind you again that Cain was a very religious man, contrary to common belief. Cain was extremely conscious of his duty toward God and in need of doing something to please the Almighty. When we speak of Cain, we naturally think of him as the murderer of his brother, but that murder was the result of Cain's modernism. So we repeat once more, Cain was very religious. He was the first to think of bringing an offering. Please notice these three things. Cain was the first to bring an offering. It had required much work and effort. And the third was, 
It was an offering unto the Lord. The whole transaction of Cain was an act of worship. But Cain rejected God's sacrifice, God's lamb, which Abel respected. The difference between the two offerings of Cain and Abel was the difference between faith and works, the blood and the works of a man's hands. Cain had religion, probably a beautiful religion. Abel had salvation by faith in the blood. Right here, we remind you again that all this is a picture of the last days when once again the lines will be inescapably drawn between world religion and personal faith in God's word. Remember, Jesus said, as it was then before the flood, so shall it be again in the last days. Can anyone fail to see the striking similarity of the days of Cain in our modern religious trend? As then, so today, there are only two religions and the difference is becoming more apparent than ever before. Man has classified religions into many groups and calls them sects or churches or denominations. But all of them can be grouped under just two heads, the religion of Cain and the religion of Abel, works or grace. It has nothing to do with ceremonies or rituals or forms of worship. It has nothing to do with the place of worship or the type of building or names of officers or the ritual prescribed. Wherever the grace of God is preached, the Bible alone received as God's revelation to man and the blood proclaimed for the remission of sins by faith in God's promises, there you will find the religion of Abel, probably ignored and reviled by many, but acknowledged by God. And the reverse is true. Wherever the blood is denied, the inspiration of the Bible is rejected, and the dignity of man instead of his depravity is preached, there you have a repetition of the religion of Cain. It's all in the blood. Wherever the blood of Christ is preached, received by faith, there we find the religion of Abel. Be it in stately cathedral with soft music and meticulously dressed worshipers, or in a simple mud hut without organ or choir, where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is preached as Savior and Lord through faith in his blood, there we find Abel's offering. And where these are lacking, we have Cain's religion. Maybe impressive, but worthless. And let us not be deceived, these two are at opposite poles. There can be no compromise, no cooperation, no integration of these two. The modernism of Cain and the fundamentalism of Abel will never mix, but can ultimately result only in a deadly conflict, presumably with victory for the modernist Cain. In the light of Jesus' words, As it was in the days before the flood, so shall it be again in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. One is not surprised to see the tremendous advances of an ecumenical, compromising attempt at the integrating of all religions into one world church, and the political and religious murder of the remnant of those who will not sacrifice truth for a false peace or faith in the blood for a man-made unity and peace. The time is here when men must make a choice. The differences between the followers of Cain and Abel are becoming wider and wider, and Christians will be forced into one camp or another, with a popular worldly crowd who loudly proclaim the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man, or what that called out company, that seemingly insignificant minority who will still believe that no man can serve two masters and who accept the words of Jesus himself who said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. And again, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 3.18 Which will you believe? The words of men who say it makes no difference what you believe, or the word of God? He that believeth on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He that believes not 
God has made him a liar because he believes not the record that gave of his son. 1 John 5.10. Well, guys, I hope that this broadcast of Martin DeHaan has helped you today. And one thing I want to point out, there are only two religions in the world. I know there are books that say there are over 4,000, and they list them all. But the Bible says that it is either God's way or man's way. So therefore, it is either Christianity, the belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, nothing else, or everything else. Man made up, man designed, man desired, man has added to to make the religion work for him, to make him feel better about himself. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you and I to feel better about ourselves. Jesus died on the cross so you and I would have a better home with God where there's no violence, there's no more tears, there's no more crying out in pain. All will be good. All will be wonderful. And I don't know about you, but I am sure enough looking for that day to happen. I am looking into the sky and I am listening for the trump. I pray that you are right with Jesus. I pray this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, follow. And if you know of anyone that could use this, share it with them. Thank you again for joining me on According to John. And until next week, God bless. God bless.